Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Monday, December 4th. Happy Wildlife Conservation Day, about conserving wildlife in general, and International Cheetah Day, about conserving cheetahs specifically. Talking about the big old kitty cat and not puffy cheese snacks or the New England Patriots. And am I the only one who thinks pairing these two up was uncool to cheetahs? It's kind of like how if your birthday's on December 25th, all you get is gypped out of a present. And remember the other day how we talked about Daniel 7 and his vision of a leopard, which was all about Alexander the Great's meteoric and still future rise to power, cause leopards are fast and all. So why are we talking about leopards on Cheetah Day? Cause this is one of them verses scoffers like to use to ridicule the Bible, which I should have said at the time, but didn't. Anyway, it goes like this. Since cheetahs are the fastest land animal, cause they can run 70 miles an hour, and not leopards, which are still pretty quick, but not even close to that, that means God either got confused or didn't know which one it was, so may as well reject the whole Bible. To which I say, roll them dice if you want to, today is National Dice Day after all. But number one, Daniel never said it was a leopard. He said it was like a leopard, with four heads and two sets of wings. So not a leopard at all, really. And B, it wasn't a real critter. It was a vision, a symbol of the future, not the actual future. Alexander the Great was just a dude, not a four-headed flying cat. And third, the word cheetah comes from the Sanskrit word sutraka, which means, guess what, leopard. So I ain't 100% sure we ain't all talking about the same thing anyway. And last, so this leopard thing is your hang-up, huh? We just not gonna worry about how hyper-accurate the prophecy is? We're just gonna strain at the gnat and swallow the camel? Okay, shooter, roll them dice. Our reading for today is Daniel 11, 36 through 12, 13, 1 John 4, 1 through 21, Psalm 123, 1 through 4, and Proverbs 29, 2 through 4. So if y'all are ready, even though cheetahs are faster, they will always lose a race to a leopard, cause cheetahs never win, except in Arizona governor elections. What, too soon? But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 3rd, in the Old Testament, we read Daniel 11:2 through 35 and Gabriel's back with the new vision. And the very extensive introduction to the prophecy of Daniel 11 is given in chapter 10. All of it, actually. But it takes place in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So, about 535-ish BC. And through Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and Daniel's vision of the four beasts, God had already revealed that there would be four world empires followed by the kingdom of God. And I maintain, world empire doesn't mean they ruled the whole world, because they didn't. They didn't even know about half the world. I say world empire means worldly beast system empire, not of Israel, but of the world. And that God focuses on these four, as opposed to the Mongol empire or the Aztecs, because these are the four that ruled Israel. So all others are irrelevant. Anyway, Gabe says, There shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia. And the Persian king who invaded Greece was Xerxes, who reigned from 485 to 464 BC. You ever see the movie 300? That's him. And that movie was trash, even though I do kind of like it. But that thing with the 300 Spartans really did happen. And after that fourth Persian king, a mighty king shall stand up from Greece that shall rule with great dominion. 
And he's talking about Alexander the Great. And verse 4 says, when he's at the height of his power, his kingdom will be broken up and divided between his four generals, like we talked about the other day, and not given to his kids. Alexander the Great never even had kids. Roxana bore Alexander a posthumous child, also named Alexander, two months after he died. But it's sketchy whether or not that was even his kid, and both of them got murdered anyway. And verse 6 says, two of these four will team up, namely Egypt and Syria. And y'all should read the history of these guys because it's full of backstabbing and intrigue and selling off daughters and wives poisoning husbands and stuff and just all kinds of terribleness. (laughs) Yeah, go read it. (laughs) And verse 7 says, Out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up, namely Ptolemy Euergetes, who will succeed his father in Egypt and fight with Syria over his nephew not getting the throne or some such. Anyway, Egypt and Ptolemy win. And this is all very detailed, and I hate to gloss over all this history, but the bottom line is the North and the South keep fighting with each other just endlessly and making life miserable for the Jews. And verses 10 through 16 talk about the rise of Antiochus the Great and his eventual conquest of the Holy Land. And this is around 200-ish BC. And verse 20 says, Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom, but within a few days he shall be destroyed. And this refers to Seleucus Philopater, who oppressed his people with high taxes, trying to raise the tribute of 1,000 talents for the Romans, which had risen up by this time. And verse 21 points out that Seleucus was the father of Antiochus Epiphanes, or Antiochus Epiphanes, however you want to pronounce it. And he was the king of the Seleucid Empire from 175 BC until his death in 164 BC. And he hated the Jews. He was the abomination of desolation guy. Verse 21 calls him a vile person. And he goes to war with Egypt again, but isn't quite as successful as he always had been because the ships of Chittim shall come against him. In verses 31 and 32, they talk about him doing wickedly against the covenant, meaning persecuting the Jews. And the next verses detail some of the evils. But I want to point out that a few times Daniel makes the comment that this is all for a time appointed, meaning God's hand is in this and it's happening according to his schedule. But we stopped reading at verse 35. So, chapter 11, verse 21. A vile person comes in peaceably using flatteries to deceitfully get a small group of people to support him until he doesn't need them anymore. Some things never change. And then we have verse 32. Flattery is meant to entice to corrupt folks on a grand scale. But those that do know their God like Daniel, shall be strong and do. Exploits. Exploits is in italics, implying heroism, which fits under these circumstances. But I'm pulling two different scriptures together that we've read, and that is faith without works is dead. So be confident and do. And if it's faith, because we know our God, then we will do. That's one thing. Faith without works is death. So those that know their God are going to be strong and they're going to do something. And the second part is we are called to contend with the wicked, not observe or comply, but be engaged. And then in the New Testament, we read 1 John 3, 7 through 24. And he starts out, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous because faith without works is dead. And verse 9 says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. So this passage must either mean that they who are born of God, that is, they who are true Christians, do not sin habitually or characteristically, 
or it means that everyone who is a true Christian is absolutely perfect and never commits any sin. But he can't possibly mean that, because he himself said in chapter 1 that if we say we have no sin, we lie. And I don't know of anyone who's ever been able to pull that off anyway. Even Paul called himself the chief of the sinners. But Paul also said, the stuff I do, I don't want to do, and the stuff I want to do, I don't do. So the idea is not that Christians are somehow automatically perfect, but that if we have the Lord in us, we don't love sin anymore and hate it when we backslide, as opposed to those who say, for example, sex outside of marriage is perfectly fine. It's not that you mess up once in a while, it's that you think it's okay. And then he equates sin with he that loveth not his brother, which is what Jesus said, love the Lord and love your neighbor, and on these hang the rest of the law. Verse 13 says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, because we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And I get the impression that when he says sin, he's not really talking about stuff like working on the Sabbath. It's all about love for God and each other. And that's really what the rest of this chapter is about, doing good works for each other as unto God. And that's how you tell a Christian. In verse 23, he just comes out and says it. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Well, verse 7 kind of picks up where I left off in Daniel. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Faith or confidence in God that he made us righteous causes us to do righteousness. And this goes for love too. It should be done and done in truth. Truth and love like two sides of a coin. I used to think that one day in the kingdom of God, that's when truth and mercy would kiss. But Jesus put that in operation here. Now in the earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must sincerely love the Lord and each other. That will fix broken churches. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 122, 1 through 9. And that's a song of degrees of David. Basically, he's given thanks to God for Jerusalem. And verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and they shall prosper that love thee. That's a commandment with a promise. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 29.1, which says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. In other words, I told you, and I told you, and I told you, but you don't listen, and now I gotta whip you. The New American Standard. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy or, and there is no remedy. And then the Young's Literal Translation says it this way. A man often reproved, hardening the neck is suddenly broken and there is no healing. I have this verse circled and double starred in my old study Bible. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say about that. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 4th is Daniel 11.36-12.13. through 12, 13. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, For he shall magnify himself above all, but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. 
and he shall cause them to rule over many, and shall divide the land for gain. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots, and with horsemen, and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries, and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy, and utterly to make away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Chapter 12 And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white, and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth, and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Our reading in the New Testament for December 4th is 1 John 4, 1-21. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, 
because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Our reading in Psalms for December 4th is Psalm 123, 1-4. A Song of Degrees Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until that he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease, and with the contempt of the proud. And our reading in Proverbs for December 4th is Proverbs 29, 2-4. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father. But he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. And that will do it for the fourth. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. A while back, I read this article by Pastor Josh Harris where he uses the Beatitudes to illustrate godly values versus worldly values. So I thought we'd cover a few of those, because it's pretty clever. So today's prayer is on Matthew 5, 3, which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on humility, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, All of us are finite and limited. No matter how strong we think we are, we are poor compared to you and subject to your righteous judgment. But blessed are the humble that recognize their weakness, for in that we are made strong. The world would have us believe that blessed are the self-confident, for it is they who rule the world. But what does it profit to gain the world and lose our home with you? Forgive our pride, Father, and work in us a humble spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible y'all and I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible y'all squaw and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, 
email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try to not make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And verse 7 says, Out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up, namely, Ptolemy Ugarites. Nope, that's wrong. I can't pronounce it. I mean, I got it. I got a lot of them, several. There were a lot of Ptolemies. There was a lot of Antiochuses, too. Oh.